Deuteronomy 34, we're going to read verses 7 through 12. And Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands upon him, and the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. There arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. In all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh, to all its servants, and to all his land, and all that mighty hand, and in all the great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. Turn back with me to Exodus chapter 2. I want you to think about what's mentioned there of Moses, probably the greatest leader of men that this world has ever seen. Man that God raised up, used him to lead Israel out of the land of Egypt. By his hand, God sent ten plagues, parted the Red Sea, helped lead those million, million and a half Jews through the wilderness for 40 years. Now, when we think about the life of Moses and all that God did through him, we have to go back to a very tragic moment in Moses' life found in Exodus chapter 2, verse 10. The Bible says the child grew, speaking of Moses, she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, he became her son. She called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water, and it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out to his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting an Hebrew, one of his brethren. He looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said to him that did wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me? As thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. I want you to think for just a moment. What must have been going through Moses' mind. There as he got the children of Israel right up to the very edge of the promised land. Knowing God was going to take them where he would promised to take them 40 years earlier. Because of their rebellion. They had, the elder group had died there in the wilderness. But as Moses thought back over his life, and I've watched men in their old age, those that are dying, they all do the same thing. They review in their mind the days of their life, starting from their childhood to their old age. As Moses reviews, he goes back to a moment in his life when in a hurry he felt like he was going to be used of God to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. In a hurry to be a help, he saw one of his brethren striving with an Egyptian and he picked up a staff and 
knocked the man over the head. Whether this was manslaughter or murder doesn't matter. The fact was, Moses had slain a man. And Pharaoh heard about it. The word got out, although he tried to hide the evidence. In great fear and trepidation, he knew he couldn't go back to the palace. Pharaoh was seeking his life, and he runs to the desert, the backside of the desert. Let me ask you at this point, what's going through Moses' mind? I'm done. I'm through. His dreams, he looks back at all that training. He looks back at the time in the palace. He looks back knowing he was called of God. He was miraculously saved for a purpose, and he knew that purpose. But he got in a hurry, and he wanted to help God, and in the end, he'd slain a man. That wasn't his purpose. It just happened. But once it did happen, there was no way to go back, no way to rewind, no way to relive and do it correctly, no way to fix the problem he had just caused. Now, he's out there on the backside of the desert. And what's he saying? I'm 40 years old. And all that God promised to do with me and through me and for me is done. I can't be used. Now listen, we have the scripture. We can go back and look at the Old Testament and say God used Moses after he committed murder. God used David after he committed adultery and murder. And God used men despite their failings. And we can look back in the New Testament and say, look at the way God used Paul, who was also a murderer. Look at the way God used Peter, who had not once but three times denied him. Now, for us, it's easy to look back in hindsight at the written word of God and see what God did through broken men, through men that made tremendous mistakes. But Moses didn't have the written word of God. All he knew is that he had killed a man and his dreams were over. For the next 40 years, he would wander around herding sheep in the wilderness. He wandered so long that at some point he most likely forgot about all that was happening back in Egypt. To some degree, out of sight, out of mind. But the farthest thing from his thoughts and the furthest thing from his heart was the fact that God may actually use him again because God was done. Now let me ask you this. Common sense would tell you something. If a man had jumped the gun, gotten ahead of God, killed another man, would he be or could he be usable? Not only that, now that man has been out in the wilderness. He's not regular communication. You know what you forget in 40 years? He hasn't been in the palace. He hasn't been in that atmosphere. His eating habits has changed. His manners and mannerisms have changed. Even his speech has changed. His dress has changed. He no longer looks sharp. He looks like a sheep herder. He's weather-worn. Can you imagine his feet after 40 years in the wilderness herding sheep? Can you imagine his speech? No dreams, 
no idea that God still has a purpose or a vision in mind. Look what it says in chapter 3. Now let me ask you this. I want you to think before we read this verse. When did God give Moses a staff that seemed magical? Extend it, Moses, and the water will turn to blood. Extend it, Moses, and the Red Sea will part. Moses, smite the rock and water will come forth. Moses, hold up your hands and your staff and your army of hapless no-goods will beat a proven army of soldiers. Did that happen straight out of the palace? with his incredible education and military training, or did that happen after 40 years on the backside of the desert? Now be careful, because at some point in your life, Satan's going to come to you with the same lie he came to Moses with and say, you're not usable anymore. And for each person, he brings a different lie. Your time's up. You made a mistake. You're in the desert. You haven't been properly trained. You're not adequately. Your talent is just not sufficient to be used of God in a mighty way. Now, let me ask you this. After 40 years in the desert, what did Moses have to offer God? Besides sheep herding skills. Verse 1, chapter 3. Now, Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him, out of the midst of a bush. And he said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. Verse 9. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me. And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people and the children of Israel out of Egypt. Look what it says in verse 11. And Moses said unto God, who am I? that I should go into Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. Let me ask you two questions. Just think logically for a minute. Put yourself in Moses' shoes. What's the chance of God using you after you've committed murder? Now I know some of you have defects and flaws and I know some of you have fallen, some of you have sinned, some of you have gone astray. But as far as I know, is your pastor four years having eaten with you, preached to you, traveled with you, prayed for you. I don't know of anyone in here that's a murderer. Moses had killed a man. And when God went to choose a leader, he chose a man with a serious flaw. Not only did he have a serious flaw, but he had been on the backside of a desert with sheep for 40 years. How many of you ever been out of commission for 10 months? Women, how many of you have ever been really involved in a ministry and then the doctor told you you were with child and you had to step out 
at some point during your pregnancy and you felt like you'd been totally isolated. And then for the next year, two years, until things are settled and the dust clears and the baby's able to go to the nursery, you can't even get reinvolved. How many ever feel like you just got put on a three-year shelf? Anybody ever been there because of a sickness or a problem or sin? Something happens, maybe you just get away from God. Maybe you just stray. Maybe you just go into neutral. But at some point, you find yourself in a wilderness. I don't care if it lasts 40 days or 40 months. But I doubt any of you have had a valley or a desert or a wilderness or a spiritual shelf that's lasted this long. 40 years in the backside desert and here comes God. You know, everything that we see in Moses, everything we talk about, all that God used him to do was after murder, was after the desert, was after the wilderness, was after he had celebrated his 80th birthday. That's when God said, you're my choice. Now, logically speaking, we can't understand that. But how many times, folks, we've got to address an issue. And that issue is, although Capital City is doing a lot, and I thank God for every ministry, and I honestly, I travel a lot. I don't know of a church that has this percentage of their church members involved in, a, not just in a ministry, but in multiple ministries. From soul winning to nursery to street preaching to nursing homes to the Christian school to the Bible college you're involved in some level discipleship classes. All these other ministries that we're involved in may be your excuse and you sit back and say, well, I may not be needed. There are other people more qualified. If God used me, he'd have to pull me out of the backside of the desert. I'm not even well-mannered. I'm not fit for the table. I don't know how to use a fork and a spoon. I eat rice with my hands. I smell like the sheep. I dress like a goat. How can God use me? Have you been there? Go with me to Numbers chapter 11. When we talk about the faith of these men, I think one of the areas that we see faith exercised in the life of Moses was this area, the fact that he actually had faith that God could use him again. Or maybe we should say still. That God could still use him. Despite his failures, despite the fact that he'd been 40 years out of commission, despite the fact that he said, who am I? I don't have any talent. I don't have any special ability. Look what it said in chapter 11, verse 10. He's leading the people of Israel. He's having problems. God's giving them food directly from heaven. They don't like it. But man's never satisfied. They said, we want quail legs. And God says, okay. Verse 10, then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families. Every man in the door of his tent, the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. And Moses said to the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? Wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me? Have I conceived all this people? Have I begotten them that thou shouldest say unto me, 
carry them in thy bosom as a nursing father beareth the suckling child unto the land which thou swearest unto their fathers? When should I have flesh to give unto all this people? For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat. I am not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me. Uh, you know what we think? God can't use us. When we get to the point in life where the burden of the ministry is too heavy, and this is really a good point to reach. How many of you, in youthful ignorance, grabbed a hold of a ministry and you are on top of the world? I can handle this. Not only can I handle it, I can do it better than the previous person in charge. I'm more qualified, I have more knowledge, and I've seen all their failures, and I'm going to fix them. And then after you've been in that ministry for 10 years, and you've tried everything, been woofed 35 times, 35 different ways, you failed on 35 different levels, then you say, God, this is too heavy for me. It's like a dad when mom leaves, the two-year-old, the four-year-old, the six-year-old, and the seven-year-old with the father of the house and flies off for a week. And day three, the dishes are piling up. The laundry is growing. He's trying to get the kids to the school, get to work, come home, pack lunches, keep the house picked up, keep these kids with laundry. And why is it that after three days you don't have clean socks? What are you doing with your socks, son? Don't tell me you only have three pairs of socks. No, I'm not washing you. We're going to go to Walmart, and you're going to buy six socks, and those had better last you until Mom gets home. Yogurt. Eat yogurt. If you're hungry, eat yogurt. We're going to do McDonald's tomorrow. You don't need another hot meal. You had one yesterday. And by day five, women, I'm telling you where your husbands get. Now, if they're teenagers, now I'm at a good spot. I tell the kids, clean the house, wash the dishes, and cook the food. I'll see you on Friday. <laughs> you guys know how to dial 911 or Pastor Mark, so be safe. God bless you. But when they're little, that's totally different challenge. And by day or four or five, how many of you men ever taken those kids and felt overwhelmed after a couple hours, a couple days? This is the way Moses was feeling totally overwhelmed with his responsibility, saying, can God even use me anymore? I'm not as smart as I thought. I can't handle this. This problem is too large. Have you ever been to a place where you thought it was a good run? God's probably through with me. If he uses me, it's going to be on a real small scale. I doubt anyone will ever notice. I'll pick up a few things on the carpet. I'll straighten up the hymn books. I'll show up and shake hands, but other than that, I don't even know if God has a purpose for me. Numbers chapter 12, people turn on him. Numbers chapter 20, go with me there. Verse 7, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother. Speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation their beasts to drink. Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he had commanded him, and Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, ye rebels, 
must we fetch you water out of this rock? I think Moses, the meekest man that ever lived, was a little upset. We just don't hear him talk like this, but he's a little perturbed at their rebellion. You've got to understand, he's been out in the wilderness a long time with his bunch of rebels. Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod, he smote the rock twice. Is that what God told him to do? No. Verse 12, and the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because ye believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. And now Moses can say, I'm done. Okay, so God used me after the wilderness. God used me after killing a man. God used me in my frustration. God used me, although I was overwhelmed with the burden and the weight of the ministry that I was carrying. God used me even when people were attacking me. My own, my own assistant betrayed me. My own sister undermined me. And the leaders, even Korah, a respected member with hundreds of respected men turned against me and God still used me. God's done with me now because in the sight of the whole congregation, I, I messed up. Have you ever been to a point in life where you made a mistake and your family saw it? People under your ministry saw it? Those around you saw it? And you said, I really messed up. Messed up bad. He messed up so bad, God said, Moses, this is going to cost you the day you've been waiting for, a day into the promised land. That's over. Now, here's my question. Was God done with Moses? Read the next chapter. So they go to war and the enemy comes. Moses, get up. What's happening? Time for war. Who's leading? You are. I thought you were done with me. I'm not done with you. I just told you you're not going to the promised land. Let's go. It's like we're in a hurry for God to be done with us. I don't think the issue is with God at all. I think the issue is with us. I think the issue is in our mind. Here's what we see. We see this in society. We see in society that you're, you're a disposable item for any business. If you work for a company, you're only as good for them or that business is the amount of money you produce. And when you begin to cost them, if you've been there 15 or 20 years, now your salary has gone up. Your earning potential has increased. And they say, you know what? Why are we going to pay you 30 bucks an hour when we can bring in someone and train them at 18 bucks an hour and make them work up to your pay grade? Be gone. Because you see the world do that, you look at God as someone that would do that to you. As if God were in a hurry to replace you. If God were in a hurry to be done with you. Because you see the world do that, you say, well, you know, I'm slower. I'm not as energetic. And God says, so? I'm too old to work with teens. I'm too old to work with children. I'm not that vibrant, charismatic leader. You never were. Don't deceive yourself. You know, Pastor, I don't have as much to offer. You have twice as much to offer because you have twice as much experience and twice as much wisdom and twice as much in the loss column. And losses always teach you a lot. For some reason, you bought Satan's lie and you convince yourself, God's done with me. No. Maybe you ought to ask yourself, are you done with God? 
Because if God was done with you, he would just squeeze the air out of your lungs and rapture your soul to heaven. But if he hasn't done that, he's not done with you. So even though he smote the rock, even though he said there's a consequence, even though he says you're not going to the promised land, he was not done with him yet. Now go to Deuteronomy chapter 34. Verse 8, the children of Israel, they wept for Moses. It is death. Verse 9, there was a replacement waiting. Matter of fact, this replacement had been in training for 40 years. Joshua, the son of Nun, was what? Full of the spirit of wisdom. Now, it says Moses was the meekest man that ever lived, but it doesn't make this comment about Moses. He had wisdom, but it doesn't say he was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands upon him. The children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. Let me ask you this. How many times do you think Moses looked behind his shoulder and looked at Joshua and said, Lord, I am 100 years old and there's a young man with fire and zeal and wisdom and passion and energy. Just take me off the planet and let him go. Now, God wasn't in a hurry to make Joshua replace Moses, but I guarantee you, human nature tells me Moses was in a hurry to have Joshua replace him. Now, be careful. If you're over 50 and you're in this church, I need your attention at this moment. Because if you've been in a ministry here at Capital City and you've been in it for a while, you're looking over your shoulder at someone that's 25 or 30. Someone with a lot more energy and a lot less wisdom and a whole lot less experience. And you're saying, I'll bet God's done with me. Why would God have Moses train Joshua for 40 years? Miss Sullivan, doesn't it seem like you've been training cooks for 40 years? It's not been that long. Why is it, Tony, that it would seem like God's used you to train street preachers for 15 or 20, 25 years, used you to train a dozen people in the prison ministry? Why is it, it seems like Brother Dave and Brother Jeremy and these men have trained person after person and worked in there for years? Donald, doesn't it seem like you've been in that teen class forever? Janet, can you ever remember a day when you weren't working in the school or the office or both? Now, here's the problem. Satan will climb up on your shoulder and say, there's a young gun around here that could do it a whole lot better and add a lot more life. Let me ask you this. When was God through with Moses? 120 years old, killed a man, sat in the wilderness for 40 years, herded sheep, had a young assistant who probably had as much of God on him as Moses did, full of wisdom, energetic, passionate, faithful, committed. God said, I'm not through with you. Now let me ask you this. What excuse are you writing, are you using to keep from being used, that Moses couldn't have used. So God's done with you. You listen to a lie. 
someone told you a lie. You bought it. You were so convinced that you were waiting for the pastor to come up to you and say, you're just not usable. You just need verification. Pastor, I want you to know, God can't use me. Why is it that God choosing Dave Merrill at 80 years of age? Why is it that God is using a man that's 50 plus with cancer to lead ministries? Why is it that God's still using Dave and Jay and Miss Mona Thompson? I have people call me up, preachers call me up all the time. You mean to tell me that woman is still bringing young people under a house and hosting a dorm and cooking meals and teaching in a school? Yes, yes, yes. I don't know how many questions you asked me, but they're all yes. You mean Miss Edmonds is still your most consistent soul winner and discipler in the church? Yes, and yes. How old is she? 80 plus. She doesn't like to tell Brother Sutton that because he'll feel threatened as the oldest member of this church. She's pretty close. Miss Simpson, have you ever got to the place where Satan just came up and said, you know what? They're better pianists. They're more talented young people. You know... Satan is going to come and lie to you, and I promise you this, here's what, here's what he does. Satan doesn't have one tool in his box. He doesn't have just one trick. We think, okay, he uses smoking, and I don't smoke, and he uses drinking, and I don't drink, and he uses doping, and I don't dope, and he uses fornication, and I'm not going to fornicate, and those are his five or six tools in his box. No, he has a million different tools, and the one that's most common once you reach 45 or 50 is the same tool that he used on Moses, and it's a lie of saying, you just can't be used. God's through with you. And let me ask you this. Go with me to Revelation chapter 11 for just a minute. Revelation chapter 11 verse 4. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. If any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth, devoureth their enemies. If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. They have power to shut heaven that it rain not the days of their prophecy. They have power over waters to turn them to blood. To smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. How many of you know enough about Bible prophecy to understand what this is speaking about? You know that in Revelation, God's going to raise up two prophets, two men from the past, two Israelites, two icons. He's going to have them preach for three and a half years, divinely protect them as they lead thousands and thousands of people to the knowledge of Christ. Go back with me in Malachi chapter 4 and we'll be done. Who are the last two icons of Israel mentioned in the Old Testament? Malachi chapter 4 verse 4. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb, for all Israel with the statutes and judgment. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now let me ask you this. If you look at those men, you look at their ministry, you look at their miracles, 
during the time of the tribulation, who did those miracles in the Old Testament? Now, I don't want to argue with you because I hate being right. But the last two men mentioned the Old Testament. One specifically. That'll be returning and preaching during the time of the tribulation. Elijah. I don't think it's coincidence that God mentioned Moses at the same time. Now, here's a man who thought continually God's done with me. God's through with me. I can't be used anymore. And he was used Primarily from age 80 to 120. But when God raptured him off this planet. And said Moses. I'm done with you. He said it. Stepped back. And winked. Have you ever done that with your children? Have you ever said something to your kids? And you wanted to do it in a serious face. But you knew. You had other plants. None of you have ever said, no, we're not going to get ice cream. Get in the car. I believe God told Moses, because of that sin, you're not going to the promised land. Then he paused. He paused for a real long time. He paused for a thousand years. And Moses was following around heaven. I didn't go to the promised land. I didn't get to go to the promised land. He said, Moses, you're not going to the promised land. I didn't get to go. I put up with, I put up with those heathen. I put up with those rebels for 40 years in the wilderness. And I didn't get to step foot in the promised land. And Joshua got to go. You're not going to the promised land. God, would you hear me out for a minute? If I went through that level of torture and all those complaints and all that backbite and all that strife and all those problems, 40 years. And after a thousand years, Moses saw that scripture again being revealed. He said, hold on for a second. What, what is this about two men in the tribulation? He said, Moses, you're not going. You're not going to the promised land yet. Moses, you just thought I was through with you. You thought I was done with you. I'm still not done with you. You still got three and a half years of ministry left in you. Man, you quit at 120. I don't believe for a second that God's through using Brother Tony. I don't believe for a second God's through using Brother Sutton. I don't believe that for a minute. I don't care what their age is. Miss Ann, I don't know how old for sure you are. We're going to have to look for your birth certificate or your driver's license. I don't even trust that. I don't believe for a second God's through using Miss Ann or Miss Lois. I don't think God's through using... Brother Dave Morrall, I don't think God's through using Brother Sonny. I don't think God's through using Brother Wood. Can you imagine if God only used people until they're 45? What, what age were you, Brother Wood, when you got saved? I don't believe God's done using Brother St. Pierre. So I don't care what ministry you're in. You need to stop buying a lie and saying, God still has purpose and a plan you convince yourself I don't have a talent I'm on the shelf I'm done I made a mistake I smoked the rock twice I killed a man I messed up and God says it's not you anyways it's me so I don't care if you're 40 or 140 
It's still me. It's not a magical staff. It's me. It's not a miraculous moment. It's me. It's not an ability. It's availability. It's me. So that means if it's all God, not you anyways, you're not done. Because he's not done. So as long as you're breathing, he's got a plan. Father, we pray tonight. We certainly hope that you've enjoyed this message today. But more importantly, we hope that the Lord has challenged you in some way to grow in your Christian life. For more information about our church, including directions and times of services, please visit our website at www.capitalcitybaptist.org.